0: My name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week, I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content? Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum. Today I'm speaking with Rachel Dunwell and we're talking about the topic of why social justice matters. Welcome to you, Rachel.
1: Hi, Tina. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back.
0: It's wonderful to have you back. And I love this topic, why social justice matters. And why I wanted to talk to you about this, Rachel, is that you have the runs on the board and you have a long history of following Jesus. And this theme has been throughout your life. It's just that now you are spending so much time working with Destiny Rescue in this space. But let's talk about your background and how God has even weaved this into your life.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Tina, for the opportunity to share about this. I was raised in a Christian home, Christian family. My parents were ministers and I was part of a church in New Zealand uh, that sadly began to digress very seriously away from one of the fundamental cornerstones of our Christian faith, which is grace and the power of the cross to bring redemption and life, and that all of our righteousness was found in Christ and moved into a very serious and very controlling form of Christianity that is classified as a cult. So I spent a lot of my very impressionable years in a situation where freedom was very extensively taken from me as a a young woman, as a teenager, Um, moving into my late teens, uh, my choice of education was taken from me, the location of which where I lived, my schools, where I could study, where I couldn't study, so I found myself in a context that was exploitive, controlling, highly vindictive and and, and really quite serious levels of abuse. So I, I knew from a very young age what it was to lose a lot of the power of one's choice that would dictate to life's outcomes.
0: Yeah, well, I actually have never heard you say that before. And uh, for those listening, I've known Rachel for a number of years. That is very interesting. So that whole concept of no freedom or freedom being take away from you, the injustice of that mm-hmm. um, was kind of starting to, Um, Stir when you were younger. As you got older, you got involved, didn't you, with church work and uh, with your husband. Tell us a little bit about that and what did you do?
1: Over that whole time, even when I was in that context that I just previously spoke about, I just, God was very present with me as a person and, as, and as, as an individual and as a family. And I really never, I can't actually remember a time in my life, Tina, where I wasn't very deeply aware of the call of God upon my life. And I look at the miracles and the way God literally rescued me and my family out of that situation. And I always had this deep sense that God had called me to ministry, that I was called to be a pastor, a Christian leader, and to be influential with a very strong love and passion for the nations. And to see God's purposes outworked across the nations. We moved churches, obviously got out of that situation. I became a youth pastor, a youth leader, and then met my husband. We married and we had the privilege and it was a very, very great privilege. We served with Paul and Marie de Jong at Church for 18 years and were a part of their team for a very long period of time, which was the beginning of our ministry journey, our training and development and our discipleship and ministry and came to Australia some 10 years ago and picked up roles with Alpha around serving the church in evangelism and serving the church in church planting, which has been a wonderful honour for both of us. And we're both still in ministry and serving in a church here in Sydney. That's a big overview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an amazing journey that you have been on. So you have this background formed in you in this understanding of when freedom is taken away from you I guess a a seedbed let's call it that in your life of of that which not everyone has I don't have that story then you you're in Australia Uh, we actually met when you were working with Alpha Australia and so was I having a wonderful time Tell us about that time because still it's outward focus, which is what your life has been about, but more around people discovering Jesus through, I guess, the proclamation of the word, understanding the word. Tell us a little bit about that time.
1: For me, my time with Alpha Australia was, I would honestly say to you, Tina, it was the most formative, one of the most formative times of my Christian walk. I... Remember, someone actually spoke to me before we moved to Australia and said that God would do a recalibration within your heart. And I actually had I had no idea what that would look like. But as I began to work alongside the team at Alpha Australia, I began to learn about the heart that God has in a deeper way for evangelism, the heart that God has to mobilize the church and every believer to have a role in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was one thing that echoed in my life and still echoes to this day, and I'll speak about this, uh, you know, a little bit later on in the podcast, was this key phrase that Alfred adheres to, and if you've been through the training, you will understand this, is that people must belong first before they believe. And once they belong, they'll believe, and then they'll become all that God has called them to be and for me it became and still is a axis that my ministry philosophy now spins upon this beautiful concept of the inclusiveness of the gospel this beautiful concept of the love of christ to all peoples from all nations all generations all backgrounds all kindreds and even all faiths god loves all people without exception and for me alpha really consolidated theory and brought it to my heart around belong, then people will believe and then they'll become all that God has called them to be in their
0: lifetime. Yes, amen. And it's quite a, um, even when you term it like that, it's quite a place of restoration. You see, even when people go through Alpha, the restoration that because they're in community, they're journeying with people, there is that restoration Yes.
1: And I think safety, safety too, Tina. There's a safety. The the essence of the gospel is, should be safety. Yes. It should be the safest place for people to come to. And I think that was the uniqueness. And, you know, as I spoke about my life, that there was many, many years where the church was not a safe place for me, where the gospel was not safe, where the teachings of Christ were not safe. And Alpha just continued to consolidate and reassure my heart as a minister that there was great safety in the gospel and in the cross for all
0: people. Absolutely. And from Alpha, you have gone to work with Destiny Rescue. And what I want to know, because you're so passionate and I see God move people in different seasons of life. What I want to know from you is why does social justice matter to you? Like why take a role like you're taking now that is overtly 100% social justice focused? What does social justice mean for you?
1: It has been a journey that God continues to unravel to me. And it's a journey that he is taking me on, and it's a journey that I'm so thankful for. So I really had a clear directive from God to leave Alpha because I was just so loving my role and enjoying my role there. And there was a moment, one of the clearest moments in my life, I think, Tina, where God said, I need to redirect you in a different pathway, and I want you to trust me in that. And um, I did, I just acknowledged and said to God, I trust you, whatever, whatever this next season is, please lead me. And through a very miraculous series of events, I heard about this role at Destiny Rescue and I began to look into the work of Destiny Rescue and, and took the role and began to serve the purposes of Destiny Rescue in nations across the world. God really began to unravel through scripture or, I guess, illuminate to me through scripture, his heart for the broken, the marginalized, the oppressed and the lost across the world. And he began to speak to me out of journeys and experiences I'd had in the word of God previous to even coming to Australia. The launching pad for me in the social justice space came out of John 4, where Jesus sat with the woman at the well who had lived lived a life, um, she'd been with, I think with, she'd had five men as her partners and the man that she was with was not even a husband and she was broken and marginalized and not living the best life that she could have. And I began to see throughout scripture that Jesus was a man that was committed to the broken, the marginalized and the oppressed. And I've always believed, Tina, that the life of Christ is the filter and the way he interacted with people was a way that he displayed to us now in the modern church and and, in this current time what our priorities would be. And as we sit and look at the word of God and as I have over the last two and a half years now, I've seen more and more in a more extensive way how much priority Christ actually places on visiting the poor, clothing the poor, providing shelter for the poor. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says, one of the questions that he's going to ask each one of us when we stand before him is, did you feed the hungry? Did you give water to the thirsty? Did you provide a home for the homeless? Did you clothe the naked? Did you visit the sick or did you visit those who were in prison? And Jesus, so Jesus has a clear mandate for us as Christians and as believers to be very committed to outworking his justice upon the earth and in his name and with the love that I talked about before, that everyone deserves to belong first. And I think that for me is the marriage between Alpha and the role that I have right now is that social justice Social justice allows us to provide a place for all of humanity from all nations to be able to belong somewhere and to find a place of inclusion and to find a place of value, whatever that might look like. There are nations, there are people's groups, there are so many parts, even of our own society, that are alienated because of so many circumstances that are out of their control from having a sense of belonging around the gospel.
0: Yes, that's a great answer, and I I love that connection that you've made between the two about the sense of belonging because often we hear it's either um, social justice or proclamation of the gospel, (laughs) and actually I see them as two sides of one coin, and it is so important when we talk about social justice that we are providing places of belonging for people that don't have that. Tell me a little bit about how you've seen the work of Destiny Rescue do that the the best, you know, in terms of reaching out and being able to provide those spaces of belonging.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of your listeners probably have heard me before, Tina, talk about the work of Destiny Rescue. I love, you know, just getting, you asked me that question previous to this and I'll refer back to that, I guess, to answer this question that you've just presented to me. So a previous question was, why is social justice so important to you? And in the space of Destiny Rescue, social justice in this space is so important to me. When we think about Jesus Christ, there are core attributes of the person of Jesus and his ministry. And one of those things is his love for children. And I remember growing up and having a grandmother that used to sing to me, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And when we look at that scripture, we see Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not. And and for me, you know, trafficking is one thing that globally is stopping over a million children every year from experiencing the belong factor that we talk about around the gospel. Now, what Destiny Rescue does is we locate children who are caught in trafficking and exploitation. And we rescue those children from those places and give them a chance for holistic restoration. And we totally embrace the Good Samaritan model where we take a child that is physically and emotionally completely broken and we allow a time of restoration and rehabilitation. And then we share the gospel if it's appropriate and if they make inquiries about the gospel. One story that reaches into my heart all the time, and I think I've spoken about this with you on a podcast as a young girl that was exploited in one of our undisclosed nations. And uh, she had no hope, Tina. I mean, no hope. She was in a building that you never get out of. It, it, I mean, when I say never get out of, I literally mean that. You don't get out of that building. You spend the rest of your life in that building. We managed as, at Destiny Rescue to locate her and orchestrated a rescue plan. And we were able to get her out and she was able to go to a medical center. Um, and she, she wasn't sick, but it was our way of creating an alibi for her. She went to a medical center We hid clothes in a room for her. She placed those clothes on and she was able to escape and she was able to be educated. She was she is 14 years old. And I believe Jesus stands with joy because he's watching us as an organization saying to traffickers, you will let God's children go. You will set them free and you will let them go so that that child can have an opportunity for health and holistic restoration, which includes hearing about the gospel. So that story for me is one of now 10,000 stories we have of rescues. We've just celebrated 10,000 rescues, Tina. And uh, I think God smiles greatly at us fulfilling that mandate where we are saying, suffer not the little children to come to Jesus. And we're saying to traffickers, you will let them go. You
0: will let these children go. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, listening to you speak, it is ridiculous to think that you can be a Christian and not care about social justice.
1: Oh, you know, I, I so agree. But to be honest, this is an unfolding revelation for me. But I believe it's a revelation that God's hand is on. And I've I've heard Christians express concern about the social justice space. And I, I, I so understand potentially concerns um, because social justice doesn't make us right with God. It's only the cross that enables us. To, it's not good works that's going to get us into heaven. Of course not. But our God says he is a God of justice. And he uses his church to mobilize his justice across the planet. And when you speak to emerging generations, and I have the privilege of talking to emerging generations, and I speak at many churches across New South Wales, ACT and Australia, and I was actually just reflecting on this recently, Tina. I can't tell you how many university students, how many young people, young adults I have coming up to me Uh, wanting to talk more about how they can be involved in this. And, And I believe there is a ache in the heart of emerging generations for the church to embrace this mandate, the mandate that Jesus so clearly spoke about, where he said in 1 John 3, verse 18, he said, let us not just love in word, but in deed and in action. And, you know, Francis of Assisi said, Um, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. And uh, there is a generation emerging in the church that really wants to see the church embrace God's mandate on the earth to bring justice because that is who our God is. He is a God of justice.
0: Yes, there seems to have been like over the centuries, there seem to be pockets of churches or Christian organisations that would be involved in the social justice space but there seemed to be a lack of understanding that this is part of the course of being a Christian this is this is just a part of the everyday christianity why do you think now there seems to be a restoration god doing a restoration in this space in the western church
1: i think uh, there's obviously a supernatural component to that you know it, as we see in revelation uh, you know jesus through John, you know, the Apostle, he writes these beautiful words, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And, you know, I, I believe always the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church and leading us and directing us. And I do believe there is definitely an urgency in the heart of God towards the nations. And God is wanting to reach the nations with the gospel and the love of Jesus. Tina, there's a child, like from in my context where I work, and I believe I'll be working and supporting this context for the rest of my life. A child in a brothel or caught in exploitation cannot hear the gospel. So there is a practical need we have to meet first to to, to allow that child to be able to hear or experience the love of Christ. I think... Now we are in an age of social media, we're so connected globally. So now what we weren't aware of, we are becoming aware of. The needs globally are so more accessible and so more real and so more um, in your face, so to speak. You've know, you only got to jump onto Instagram for a little while and then suddenly you're aware of a need somewhere or something happening somewhere in the world or you're looking at news. So I think, that this is driving a desire and driving an awareness of the greater issues that most Christians should be aware is breaking the heart of God. And most Christians should be responding in some way to the need that is growing and pending across the nations of the earth. But for me, I was, I guess, as many Christians are, we, we have this idea that revival will just come. And it will. You know, God will always move, but if we see the life of Christ and we look, go back to that scripture in Matthew, where Jesus also knew that revival will come as we give, as, as we give clothing, as we give food. And there is obviously a, um, you know, spiritual God places clothing on us and he feeds us through the word of God. But that is also about a natural need, too, that we need to meet so that we can help people go back to that belong, so people can belong and feel a part of a community, feel loved, feel dignified, feel embraced, and feel cared for. People that we rescue, children that we rescue. One of the first things we have to do before we can even speak or you know um, potentially bring the gospel if it's appropriate in different situations is they need food, they need to be fed, these children need to sleep, they need to see doctors, they need to see psychologists. They need safe places. And then we can bring the light and the love of Jesus into those contexts. Yes. And, 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 you know, for me, Tina, I've seen a totally different part of the heart of God. I've seen the kindness and the goodness of God in a way that I would never have experienced just living in my church bubble. I have seen... God doing things that I cannot explain I cannot fathom they're miracles Mm. and uh, I know God in a way that I've I never knew him outside of working in this space for him
0: Mm. amazing and Rachel you made a comment just a a moment ago that you said you'll think that you will be in this space forever like you'll be doing this forever what makes you so sure or is, there, is that because there is such a level of satisfaction? What's going on in your heart to make that comment?
1: I really believe that we all can do something. We can't do everything, but all of us can do something. And I've met some beautiful Christians. I've got friends who are working in the social justice space, but they're not working in the anti-slavery space. They're working in other organizations and that are faith-based or in churches that are, you know, obviously in missions and and that's their passion. For me, I know God has asked me to work in the anti-trafficking space for the rest of my life. I know God has asked me to raise awareness in the anti-trafficking space for the rest of my life. I know that's my personal mandate. And I think that's my encouragement to all your listeners, Tina, is you can't, we can't do everything because otherwise we'll be overwhelmed. But if we all did something, then what could, what could happen? We could change the lives of millions and millions of people. We could open up nations to the gospel of Christ. Uh, we could have opportunities in governments and, and, and in roles across the world and get to speak in forums that the church never dreamed possible as we just keep seeking to provide answers and provide answers to needs practical needs. I was with a church last weekend, Tina, and um, I was completely blown away by the amount that what they managed to raise for Destiny Rescue to help us rescue new children and also to you, Tina, Evangelism Australia, how much you've supported us. That will live on into eternity.
0: Mm, absolutely, and it's been a pleasure to be a part of just a very small part. I think it's a small part that we've played, but, you know, what price do you put on a child tell me rachel about i know i'm just mindful about time here today but i do want people to know that we there is a fundraiser coming up isn't there in in melbourne now not everyone is in melbourne but people can still be involved with destiny rescue online and get behind the organisation so
1: we're very excitedly we started a fundraiser called the rescue banquet in sydney And we've decided to bring this to Melbourne because we have a lot of um, existing donors and supporters in Melbourne, but we want to make this available to people who live in Melbourne, who maybe would like to know more about Destiny Rescue, be part of this event, uh, get to hear from guest speakers and some of our key leaders in Destiny Rescue, both here in Australia and from around the world. So we're hosting an event on the 13th of October from 6 30 till 11:30 30 pm there'll be live entertainment it's 150 dollars a ticket tina or 1400 for a table of 10 and we're hosting that at the san remo ballroom in north carlton i think it is in melbourne so we'd love to um have you come along we have a we have a limit we have a capacity um, but we would love to welcome and invite any of your listeners along to that to be a part of that very special evening Um, It's going to be wonderful. I've been to two of them before and they're just extraordinary events, really are.
0: Fantastic. So I want to encourage you that if you are listening to this episode prior to the event in October and you are in Melbourne, consider jumping in and uh, attending that event and supporting the fundraising so that we can see more children rescued from trafficking globally. Um, Otherwise, you can jump onto the website of destinyrescue.org.au and partner with them either one-off or ongoing. But I will drop all the links of that um, into the show notes for you and also if you want some more information, also there'll be an email address that you can connect with Rachel directly, also um, about Destiny Rescue and about the event in Melbourne. But I feel inspired and provoked again, Rachel, to be engaging with social justice, answering the question today, why social justice even matters? Well, I think that you've done an outstanding job <laughs> at answering that. And you know, I'm just Pray that each of us, you know, as we've heard your words today, Rachel, that are just prayerful about what the Spirit of God is saying to each one of us because he is speaking something to each one of us to be involved, to see justice, Come to the people of the world, to those around us, it could be wherever it is, but God is speaking to us and requiring us to engage. So, Rachel, thank you again uh, for your time, and we continue to just really pray that everything that you do continues to grow and grow, and that the more uh, young lives are rescued in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me again.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Win Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.